Hormones can have a huge impact on your mental and physical health, but the level of ignorance in the medical field in regards to the perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause is quite shocking. I mean, do you know the difference? Well, here to enlighten and helping us is Michonne Rowlandson, author of You, Me and Conquering the Menopause and Menopause. Michelle coaches and educates women in diet, lifestyle and mindset in managing the menopause journey. Now this episode isn't just for women, it's for anyone who wants to be educated in this subject too, as well as we do touch upon the men's version of the menopause. So keep on listening. Michelle Rawlingson, welcome. How are you doing? Hi, good, thank you. How are you? I am really, really good. A little bit nervous because I really don't know much about this subject at all. And uh, it's something that keeps cropping up in the anxiety world uh, for obvious reasons. And when I reached out to my community and said, what would you like me to talk about on the podcast uh, this year? This subject kept coming up, the perimenopause and the menopause. Um, and here you are. So I looked up who would be the best person to speak to. Um, and I'm hearing good things about your work. So can you introduce yourself and let my audience know um, about your story, um, how, how, how you've ended up coming here? And then we can go from there. Brilliant. Well, firstly, you're not alone. Many people um, either don't know about menopause or haven't heard about perimenopause. So um, it's great um, to get as much out there um, as possible. So, yeah, so I'm Michelle. So by trade, I was a senior physiotherapist. Um, and this is going back uh, about nine years ago now. Um, at the age of 33, I started getting symptoms that I just didn't understand what was happening to me. Um, and they started getting more and more debilitating, um, even things like looking at my diary, getting to the waiting room, and I couldn't remember my patient's name. And it was like, oh my God. Um, and I'd have to go and make an excuse at the reception. Yeah. So I'm just checking something. Um, just so It's all right if I already knew them, because obviously I knew their face. But yeah, if it was a new patient, didn't know which one they were, it was like, oh God. Um, so yeah, so it was things, but I mean, there were so many symptoms. Um, and I, I thought I had the onset of dementia. I thought, you know, I just didn't know what was going on with me. Um, and I then, someone sort of mentioned perimenopause and I was like, what on earth is perimenopause? I've never heard of it. Um, started Googling, as you do, and realised, oh my God, I'm, that's 100% me. Um, and then started to do a bit more research and found that there's actually ways that you can reduce symptoms naturally as well but women just aren't told about it um and then started to realize more and more that doctors actually many of them haven't got a clue about perimenopause either we all think it's menopause 50s 60s you know no periods hot flashes mood swings job done no there's so many symptoms so that led to be writing a book uh, which became number one best bestseller, You, Me, Conquering Perimenopause and Menopause. Wow, congrats. And yeah, it was really exciting. So, and it just spiraled. Um, women were asking me for advice and I was like, well, I better get qualified. I can't just 
give out advice based on my own experiences. I need to actually know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That led to me becoming a menopause wellbeing practitioner. Um, yeah, and this year has just just gone crazy. I've been doing workshops, like menopause awareness workshops, um, because what you know, one in three workers now are over the age of fifty, and seventy to eighty percent of those are women in work who are menopausal. Wow. Um, so that's when I was like, oh my god, we you know, and a high percentage of women won't actually tell their line managers why they're calling in sick or what's going on because they're embarrassed of the stigma or worry they lose their job. So that's okay. simple on that mission. And then it's, yeah, just needing, to, I've just felt I had to do more and more and more because it's global. It's not just the UK. It's globally women are being failed massively because of the lack of training in women's health. I am so with you on this. I keep hearing this over and over uh that is why i believe what you're doing is so important so let's go back a little what were the symptoms you were experiencing that uh besides obviously forgetfulness which you obviously your mind might have catastrophized a little and jumped to dementia understandable but what was it that you were going through that you know if you were to do like a checklist of symptoms what was it that you were experiencing yeah so i had quite a few so if you google it it says about 34 38 symptoms recent studies actually showing there's over 100 symptoms because estrogen receptors are in everything so everything gets affected when your estrogen is going up and down and and declining so my first symptom um now because i had the coil i didn't and because i've got a condition called endometriosis um so i didn't get the you the first First sign is usually like irregular periods. Um, so I didn't get that because I wasn't having periods because um, that's how endometriosis spreads. So I didn't get that one. Um, so the first one was unexplained weight weight gain. And it didn't matter what I was doing. It just kept piling on to the point where my son admitted a few years later, his friend's mum thought I was pregnant because oh, wow. it was just all around the middle and I just went from a size eight to a size 14 like within a year it just went bang Mm. um I was in the gym gunning it and I now know that actually women need there's different exercises for women because you don't want to increase your cortisol so actually you hence why I just kept going up and up um Mm. I had hair falling out um thankfully I've got really thick hair but it got to the point of like six months of just hair every just everywhere Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, acne. Um, I had worse acne than when I was a teenager. So again, that affects your self-esteem. You, you know, you're feeling fat, you're feeling spotty, you don't want to see people. Um, I had heart palpitations to the point where I couldn't breathe sometimes. Um, just I had to take like a deep breath to what felt like resetting my heart is what it felt like. Mm. Um and not once, again, it's all health professionals, not just doctors. Not once did anybody mention that it could be perimenopause. Um, they tried to put me on beta blockers, and I'm so glad I refused them because I was just like, well, am I going to die? And they were like, well, no. Well, what happens if I don't take the beta blockers? Well, nothing. You'll just get the symptoms. But fine, I'm happy to put up with them as long as I'm not going to die. Okay. Um you know, so um, I had uh, gum, really bad gums. Um, again, the 
dentist just gave me a lecture about oral hygiene rather than, oh, it could be a perimenopause symptom because I've spent nearly, you know, nearly a thousand pounds trying to stop my teeth falling out. Um, And it makes sense that when you're pregnant, you get free dental treatment because you're more likely to lose teeth because of hormones. Well, it's the same hormones, you know, that are going up and down. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had crippling anxiety attacks. I went from a confident woman to, I write about it in my book um, because lots of personal stuff in my book, but I was in, you know, a supermarket and I had to literally just leave my shopping because I was having a panic attack over whether I was getting the right cereal. I mean, it was just Mm. insane and getting anxiety driving, like, Hill starts when I'm a really confident driver. You know, one week after I passed my test, I was up to Liverpool and from down south and, you know, never had a problem driving. And suddenly I'm like, whoa, at big roundabouts and, and parking. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, and even, you know, sort of uh, gritty, dry eyes, um, which again, my when I went to get my eyes checked just a few months ago, so obviously I, I knew what was going on, but my mum's got mm. glaucoma. So just wanted to double check. It wasn't, you know, cause I always say to my ladies, any symptoms always double check. It's not something else. Don't just assume cause we don't want to go onto that side of things. And um, my optician bought my book cause she was in her forties, never heard of perimenopause and realized she was menopausal. Wow. Well, so, there's quite a lot to, yeah, it's quite a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, so let's just go to, so what is, and the obvious question, what is, I've heard of the menopause. And then when I was talking to you, I heard about a perimenopause. Yeah. What's, what, what are they and what's the difference? So there's there's three stages uh, to menopause. So you've got perimenopause, which is the transitional phase leading up to menopause. So this is where your body is starting to prepare itself for not being uh, reproductive anymore. Um so this is where, and I get a lot of questions about peri- is perimenopause is menopause worse because we've all heard of that and not perimenopause, and actually peri is usually the one where you get the worst symptoms because your hormones are fluctuating up and down, um, okay. so that's generally when actually you you sort of feel at your worst. Um, menopause is then when you've had no periods for twelve consecutive months. Um, and this is when you're then in your non-reproductive. Now, some women can end up with, you know, no periods for sort of 10 months and then get a period. And they're like, oh, I'm still in peri. So, you know, it, it, okay. it's 12 consecutive months. The interesting bit is post-menopause is actually when you've had 12 consecutive months and a day. So you're only in menopause for, for a day, which is your 12 consecutive months. And then you're post-menopausal. Um, Okay. And I get many women sort of when I'm at events, because I do lots of well-being events, and they all go, Oh, I'm past that now. I'm postmenopausal. And I'm like, that's great. So you're not getting any symptoms. Oh, well, I'm still getting hot flushes and, and things. And I'm like, yeah. So normally about four or five years post-menopause, women's symptoms tend to die off where your estrogen's low and stable. Mm. But this is where one of the myths is, is that I've had 88 year olds come up to me going, why am I still getting hot flashes? This is ridiculous. And it's because we are postmenopausal 
for life. Some women are lucky and don't get any symptoms, but it is possible okay. to still need to manage your symptoms because you you've got low estrogen. So I just so you, you're menopausal for a day. You have the menopause for a day, and then you're postmenopausal. Is that right? Yeah. So it's, I've never heard of that. You know, because you have people yeah. say I've got the menopause, and no, I thought it was a. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of sort of amalgamate your menopause with mm. your postmenopause. Okay. So that's usually people just call it menopause. Okay. Yeah, that that's that's blown me away a little. I'm learning so much already. <laughs> um and okay, so the perimenopause is a it's a transition leading up to the menopause. Yeah. So 12, 12 consecutive uh, months of no period. And then you get the um, the short, very short period of time, which is the, the, the day of menopause. And then after that, it's the postmenopause. Um, and then some women can get, um, you know, as the estrogen drops to a certain level that they get no much in the way of symptoms. And then there are people who continue to have symptoms for uh, the rest of their lives. Yeah. And this yeah. is why it's really important with the, you know, with regards to HRT or knowing how to reduce symptoms naturally, if you either don't want to or, or can't take HRT, um, that, you know, you have those options for life, you know, if, and I, cause I, some doctors are now realizing that cause some of them still live in the, you know, the archaic years of saying, oh, you, you can only be on HRT for so many years and you need to come off it. Um, you know, with the body identical ones and the transdermal ones, and they're showing that actually, you know, if you come off the HRT and all you and you're struggling with symptoms, then mm. it shows that, you know, you need to replenish that estrogen that you're no longer producing. Okay, uh, so is, that, is that what HRT does? Is that what it HRT is estrogen replacement? Yes, yeah, so it sort of replaces okay. your progesterone, and you, depending on what you take. So okay. if you've got a uterus, i.e., you've had a hysterectomy then you don't need the progesterone. Okay. Um, but if you do have a uterus, and this is, again, a really important factor that, you know, you do need to take progesterone if you're taking estrogen because the progesterone helps shed the lining of your womb. So if you don't do that, it can thicken your uterus, which can make you more um, predisposed to uh, womb cancer. Um, okay. But because... Okay. A lot of women, um, when they take the progesterone, sometimes they, their symptoms can get worse or they can feel quite unwell. Um, this is where some women are intolerant to progesterone. So you have to tweak. It's very much trial and error with both the type of estrogen, with the progesterone, the dose. So a lot of women, when you know it doesn't work first time, they might come off it or they won't tell their doctor that they're not taking the progesterone because it they feel great on the estrogen and that and doctors don't tend to sort of let women know why it's really important to take the progesterone so if you are struggling and some things haven't eased after a few months of taking it mm. talk to your doctor about other ways of taking because you can get like a combined patch so that the progesterone um you can take it that way rather than the eutrogestin tablet or the coil you can have, uh, progesterone, or, you know, um, so there's lots of different ways you can sort of trial and error it. 
Hi, just a quick interruption to let you know that I have teamed up with New Mind Wellness to offer listeners 20% off their menopause support supplements, which Michelle looked into and has given a thumbs up for. Click the link in the show notes and add Paul20 for your discount. I think a lot of people are listening to this thinking, oh, this is there's quite a lot to take in. There is a lot. Um, and you know, we've talked about doctors before having, you know, being a bit archaic or stuck in their certain ways of thinking about the perimenopause. What does someone do if they have a doctor that doesn't seem that sympathetic or seems like they are regurgitating very outdated information? What would you advise? So, and this this I, this is probably one of the biggest things that I work with my ladies um, in our sessions is literally this because um, so one of the first things I always say is to journal your symptoms. Don't go there piecemeal like I did. Um, You know, if you go there with one symptom at a time, even if they're a doctor that's got women's health knowledge, if it's just one at a time, they might not put the dots together. So I always say sort of try and journal your symptoms um, and write down any questions you've got before you go Mm -hmm. Um, ask the reception receptionist if they've got a women's health trained doctor because that'll be your your first hurdle gone um because some surgeries you know they do have um ones that specialized in it and that's usually sort of a, a game changer if you've already seen a doctor and they've just dismissed you with the usual, oh, you're too young, um, which is one of my bugbearers because it can happen at any age. Um, really? It can do. It Obviously, the younger, the more rarer it is. Um, they say between age 45 and 55 for sort of perimenopause and menopause average is 51, but... The more I thought maybe I was just very young at 33, but the more I'm working with my ladies, actually mid to late 30s is really, really common. So, wow, okay. You know, and having, and most doctors, I mean, I've had, I had a 55 year old that was told by her doctor, you're too young, you know, and it was like, for God's sake. Um, And then he was giving her advice, you know, saying, oh, but you don't want to be on HRT for, you know, you want it on as minimal as possible. And he was clearly stuck in the old trials that were proven in the early 2000s to be wrong. Um, But yeah, so journaling. I also uh, go there with some, if you think, or you've had, you know, an experience where you have been dismissed, go there with some literature. and politely because a lot obviously doctors don't like being told but politely Mm. educate your doctor so you can go with literature on the age I mean when you google often it does still say 45 but I have noticed now more and more is coming up saying you know mid to late 30s for peri Um, if you're 45 or over go with your nice guidelines um National Institute of Clinical Excellence because yeah. state that over the age of 45, you don't need a blood test. You just go by symptoms for HRT. Um, and okay. a lot of, and you can, you can insist, um, you know, it's your right to try. They always start on a low dose, which is why it is trial and error, low dose, because you don't want to have too much estrogen and work um, sort of your way up. So yeah, just, 
and not just educate I know that you know we go to the doctor because they're meant to know more um but I've found that women that have worked with me and have knowledge on all the different types of HRT um you know because a lot of doctors don't know all the different types of HRT you know and there's even like with you know the patches Mm. you've got different brands so it might be that your skin reacts to the patch but actually if you change the brand with different ingredients you can still have the patch you know so it's it's knowing you know that there's a spray that if you don't get on with the gel because it takes ages to dry um the spray dries within a matter of seconds so it's no you know so it's um going there with a bit of knowledge as well um can really help yeah I think that's I think that's really great advice. I think some people might be thinking, I'm not confident enough to do that. And what what would I journal? So is there like a little process that someone because like listing symptoms? Just you said there's over like yeah. So I don't like women to fix it because sometimes you can fixate too much. So I always try and say just kind of a casual diary of what symptoms frequency you know your periods if they're changing because again we all think it's just your periods getting less Mm -hmm. actually they can get more frequent and heavier so it's any change in your periods um is is usually one of the first first signs um something else i also say to my ladies when you're seeing your doctor is don't play down your symptoms we're very good at doing that saying well i get a bit warm or, well, I feel a little bit anxious when, you know, you've you've had, you know, a really bad hot flush or you've had an ang- you know panic attack, but you might, mm. you know, just d- dabble it down a bit. So I always say, you know, be honest so that the doctor knows how, you know, significant it is. And okay. a lot of doctors will try and put you on antidepressants. Um, really? Yeah. Well, I, why? <laughs> You, generally one of the if you're going for which was again sort of didn't we mentioned about the brain fog but again I was feeling depressed I was you know and I had a lot of stress going on generally with um my son's got Asperger's and he was a teenager at the time um so it was very stressful um and yeah they put me on they went oh you're just a bit bit stressed and a bit depressed we'll put you on to telegram Wow. Uh, and so many of my women, uh, this happens to them. I had one lady, so she saw a doctor, he offered her uh, antidepressants and said, look, have a think, we'll book another appointment and talk about it. She spoke to me and she was like, I don't, and I don't know, it, it doesn't sound like, you need to talk more about perimenopause. She said, oh, he wouldn't listen. She went to phone back to cancel her appointment, found out that actually they hadn't booked her with him. They'd booked her with another one um, who is women health, women's health trained. So she went, oh, OK, I will still have the appointment. And she was like, oh, no, we need to put you on, a, you know, try some HRT, not antidepressants. And she got the right treatment. That's, that's so that, good to hear. That's but... in the same surgery. So it shows yeah. you. Again, if you're not happy with the outcome, just ask to see another doctor, even if they're not women's health. I think it's incredible. And I hear this quite a lot in the anxiety world. It's pills before skills, you know, yeah. and that's what I was offered when I uh, had an anxiety disorder. I was too frightened to take them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking back now thinking I'm, I'm actually glad that I didn't. Um, 
though sometimes you know when I was going through it I was, was wondering uh yeah. but it's this constant dishing out of of you know tablets and pills for uh, instead of actually exploring the actual, you know, possible roots of the condition, it is astonishing. It is astonishing, and you often wonder, you know, what is the motivator for this? Does a, does a doctor simply not know enough, and it's it's a quick and easy fix, or is a is it a pharmaceutical thing where you know they they, they push this agenda for as, people to be as medicated as po- you know as, as possible? It's, it's, it's crazy. What, what, yeah. yeah, I think it's generally sometimes I think it's lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, yeah, I think there is a bit of a pharmaceutical thing going on as well, but, um, and again, it's a bit of a postcode lottery. I've got one lady that she's, you know, trying to get the spray and they keep saying, oh no, we don't produce that. And I've actually got the guy who works for the company that produces Linzetto spray. And he's like, they, they can get it. It's widely available um so again it's just sort of trying to um battle through the practice because then you have to you can complain to the practice manager and just say Mm. look you know this is what i you know want to try or you know i've not got on with the other ones or yeah do you think right that if this was a condition for men (laughs) actually that's a good question do men get the men is that like we heard about the menopause is is that a thing yeah, there is a male version. Yeah, um, okay. When testosterone um, levels, because they do naturally decline. Uh, women, again, um, test. That's another thing we we can cover in a minute. Is we actually get symptoms from declining testosterone as well. Um, okay. But yeah, signs you know, with men is just not being enthusiastic in things that they used to be. Uh, putting on weight around the middle, similar um, symptom. But yeah, when we hear about, you know, the midlife crisis of a man, you know, either a new car or a new woman and things, usually it's, you know, it is hormones that are kind of happening. So yeah, there is, there is a male version. Um, okay, so, there's a, so there's a male version. Um, so if this was, if the, if, if the, if it was like the perimenopause for men, the menopause for men, you know, postmenopause for men, do you think treatment would be different than what would be available for women? Totally. So as with, we've just said about the, the male version, testosterone is licensed for men. So men can just go to their doctor and say, I think I might have low testosterone. They'll, um, you know, check their their bloods. Um, and if it's low, then they're like, yep, yeah, here you go. For a woman, it's not licensed yet. So that's something that we're, we're fighting for. Um, because low testosterone is not just about low libido. It can cause mood. It can cause, you know, bone muscle um, health. So there's, you know, women can feel really, really miserable and rough due to testosterone. Um, but right. because, um, but only a specialist can prescribe it because it's not licensed. So it's again, it's a bit of a postcode lottery. Um, you've got doctors that aren't qualified, so they hundred uh, percent won't um prescribe it so they'll refer you to a specialist which there can be a massive wait for you've got doctors that are that are qualified in it but again because it's not licensed they're not prepared to prescribe it and then if you're really lucky you might have one that's you know really qualified in it and confident 
and they and they can prescribe it. Um, but it's one of the very few hormone mm. tests that is accurate because obviously they want to check that your levels are low enough that you're not going to go above a, a female level so that you don't start you know, obviously hairs and yeah and things like that. So um, whereas yeah. um, again, a lot of doctors will do a blood test to check your hormones. Mm. And ironically, when they tend to do the test, which is in perimenopause, that's when they're actually quite inaccurate because your hormones are fluctuating. And I get so many ladies that are like got symptoms screaming perimenopause. And yet because their hormones come back normal, whatever that is, because obviously they're not tested before. So we don't know what our normal levels are. The doctors will go, oh, no, your levels are normal. So you, you, you're not perimenopausal. And then they get dismissed that way as well. It is. It is shocking. It is a shame that. You know, there's still this inequality and imbalance between uh, treatment for men and treatment for women. And this yeah, is, you know, we often say if it was a man problem, oh, this would have been sort of decades, you know, centuries ago. But um, even my partner, you know, when obviously he he's learned a lot of this uh, during my journey, and um, and he just looked at me, he went, "If you women have been going through this since day one, why is perimenopause only just come up?" and it's true it's because women used to just be silent you know we were put in asylums you know uh, so, oh yeah yeah you know so if we went a bit doolally as you want to put it we were shoved in an asylum and forgotten about oh she's just gone a bit mad rather than you know actually we've got menopausal symptoms I mean, I'm just really grateful that things are changing for you, but it's still not enough, nowhere near enough. Um, do you know what I'm interested in, though, is looking at, obviously, you know, men uh, have to get the low testosterone, women can get that as well. And, um, you know, the, the menopause itself, the perimenopause side of things, is there is there something in our lifestyles? Is there something that can accelerate this? Um, that you know, can trigger worse symptoms, uh, you know, really push it to a younger age. Is there something going on in, in, in our Western culture? Is it different in other cultures, for example, around the world? Yeah. So uh, the first thing is, so um, Asian women don't tend to get um, symptoms um, anywhere near as badly. And it's thought mm. of that basically they eat a very sort of fresh, but also um have a lot of phytoestrogens, which comes from plant-based food. Um, so again, sort of vegetarians, vegans um, might not get symptoms as much. They might do in the Western world because they're having lots of other things. But um, but yeah, plant-based foods that have uh, they phytoestrogens sort of attached to our receptors, similar, not quite as well, but similar to our own estrogen. So that can help um, as well. Um, Processed foods um, can exacerbate symptoms, poor gut health, um, because if we're constipated, things like that, it sits in the in the gut longer so we can actually reabsorb um, the estrogen that's been detoxified. So that can actually give you estrogen dominance, which is a whole other uh, part. I know it, it gets scary. <laughs> dominance that can cause symptoms. So actually, we all think it's low estrogen, but actually, estrogen that's higher than your progesterone, while things are playing about, um, can cause symptoms um, as well. 
There's also man-made chemicals that mimic um, estrogen or can block our estrogen receptors. So there's xenoestrogens, which um, they're chemicals that can be in everything, our makeup, our hair products, all sorts of, of things. Um, eating meat that's been pumped full of hormones, um, that can affect our menopause. So okay. there are lots. I would be... Yeah. Um, this would be like a week podcast this is why um you know why, uh working with my ladies is really sort of yeah, yeah. intense and they they come away just being blown with so many light bulb moments where they're like oh my god so yeah there's anti-inflammatory diets that can help reduce okay. um which i took my books um with recipes that goes massively into more so the anti-inflammatory diet side of things um, and I always say, even if you're on HRT, try and help naturally as well. Um, you know, so with exercise, with um, mindset, so de-stressing type things, because uh, cortisol affects your estrogen. So if you're highly stressed and the body doesn't know the difference between stress where you're worrying about your bills or, you know, anything like that from fight or flight you know you've got a saber tooth you know obviously not saber tooth but you know tiger coming towards you or something yeah. so the body isn't a difference and it will produce its um stress hormone over sex hormones so again it's sort of trying to uh protect yourself with sort of de-stressing and not being not feeling like you're being selfish because a lot of us we all look mm. after everybody um, our children and, and actually when you're at menopausal age you're kind of a bit bookended where you're often looking after your elderly parents and your teenagers um, and you know a quarter um, of women age 50 to 64 are actually um, looking after you know looking after people um, so you've got that added into sort of your your stress factors um as well so it's actually knowing do you know what no I'm not being selfish I do need to look after myself as well mm. sometimes it can just be five minutes doing a bit of breath work because that massively helps sort of bring down stress levels and and things so yeah so I go through a lot of techniques for mm. for sleep for you know so yeah yeah, no, I, and I get that. And I work with a lot of women. And uh, I think the word that I hear in my office the most often, if I got, if I had a penny for every time I heard the word guilt, yeah, I could, I could retire. It, it's, uh, there is this, uh, it, it's a cultural conditioning, isn't it, for women that they just need to keep on going, keep on doing too much just to try to, you know, to, you know, deal with that guilt that they get inside if they stop if they rest, if they do something for themselves, you know, and, and then a positive element of self-care as a mindset coach. And I, obviously I teach the breath work, uh, some other things to my clients. And that is, you know, it's the uh, changing of that belief, changing of that mindset to really look after yourselves because then you have the energy to look after other people. And if you're really happy, what happier um and you're you know living authentically for you then it's so much easier to help and, and manage other people around That's you it. and a couple of analogies i use which often 
women then go, ah, yeah, that makes sense, is one, you can't give from an empty cup. So if you're you're not going to be as, you know, think of it that you're not actually going to be as productive or as good for your Mm. for your family that you're looking after and also you know the oxygen mask um yeah yeah putting it on yourself before other people because again you can't help other people if you haven't got the oxygen and you're falling on the you know on the floor so you need to look after yourself before you can look after other people effectively such an important message i also like to remind everyone who i work with that we don't attract what we want in life, we attract what we are. So if we're stressed, if we're feeling guilty, if we're uh, feeling anxious, we tend to gravitate to more of those sorts of situations to kind of reinforce our beliefs and reality to be true. Such an important mindset. Yeah, Yeah, such an important mindset. Of our energy, we attract what we are. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone's listening to this, uh, they heard just now some, some tips on what they could begin to do what what's if if someone wants to really go the natural route to um you know look after themselves maybe they're not perimenopausal yet you know that's something in the future and they can do something now about that or even if they're struggling with the perimenopause what lifestyle choices would be like the top checklist for them to go through to begin to help themselves now yeah so i think definitely sort of low to moderate intensity exercise so like swimming pilates even a brisk walk um and try and do sort of you know 20 minutes um a day if you can so even if it's just like a brisk walk around around the block um and equally it's been proven that if you go for a walk after you eat that can really help with sort of digestion so again good gut health um eating fresh um homemade type um food so not sort of live obviously we all have to have a treat but you know your majority is you know homemade not sort of processed um type food with like loads of chemicals and stuff pumped into it um staying hydrated um because again that helps with your gut health by being as well as um hot flushes things like that um hydration can help um a good sleep routine as well. You'd be amazed. Now, insomnia is a really big symptom that a lot mm. of women get, but there's lots of things that you can, by having a healthy diet and also a good sleep routine, um, can help um, as well with you with symptoms, and just not being afraid to talk about it. Yeah, you know, there's support groups or in you know, I've had. I, I do a free support group both online and, and in person. And so many of the women that just go, do you know what? Just hearing other stories has made me feel, my God, I'm not going mad. Or, mm. oh, yeah, I relate to that. Or, you know, and and also it's a way of making new friends as well. But um, mm. and I think, you know, that boosts your mood anyway when you're in a bit of a, a social but yeah, okay. just not not keeping it to, you know, if you are struggling or worrying, just not keeping it to yourself. Do you think, I think that's great advice and it's, it's getting these basics right, isn't it? Especially the sleep. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people, especially I've worked with, really do resist trying to get their sleep right. Mm. You know, it's their day is so, especially for women, uh, there's that heavy mental load 
um, carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. And by the time it, their children have gone to bed and you know they get to sit down on the couch, it's time to go to bed again. And there's a part of them that says, no, I'm going to literally just, I'll binge watch a, a few shows. I'll sit on my phone. I'll do anything to delay going to sleep and then starting this all over again. And it's, there needs to be a change in how they're experiencing their day for sure. All of us, anyone who's, they call it revenge bedtime procrastination. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, uh, I want to go to bed and I know I need to go to bed, but that show was so good. I'm just going to watch a little bit more. And before they know it, you know, it's 12 o'clock, one o'clock. Uh, not much fun. Not much fun. Um, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've all done it. We've all done it. Um, going back into the actual, um, the, the perimenopause and the menopause itself. If there, I remember telling you when uh, we first spoke, that there is almost like a scientific movement to see if they can get rid of it, to stop the menopause happening altogether. As you know, and I think a lot of people might think, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And you had a very interesting perspective on that. Uh, so what are your thoughts? Should we get rid of the menopause or should it stay? Well, the thing is, it's 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 a natural part of what women's bodies go through mm. you know and I think by getting rid of it you're kind of trying to do the same as just shut us up or put us in a corner or you know rather than actually trying to find ways that we can go through this you know more empowered and you know I find a lot of women when they've gone through the menopause actually we're much more wiser and more confident when we come out the other, you know, out the other side, so to speak. Mm. Um, okay. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's, as I say, just such a natural progression that I just don't see why we would, we don't have to, I think it, it emphasizes that, oh yeah, we'll get rid of it because you have to suffer through, through the menopause and you don't have to suffer with the right advice and the right, right mm. treatment. I, I guess it says you're almost broken, aren't you? If you've got the menopause, you need to be fixed. Yeah. And we, we can we can save you by getting rid of it completely. And I love that you say, you know, it seems, and, and I've heard this before, there seems to be this wisdom, this uh, rebalancing, this reconnection from life, from experiencing uh, the menopause. So, yeah, so isn't it more about the acceptance of it and, and working with it rather than alienating them uh, you know ourselves from something which is a natural condition yeah because I feel like by you know it's like we're, we're still trying to give it a, a stigma um and actually if you go into the science part of it once you you know all your hormones have gone up and down and everything else it's like the the brain sort of recalibrates itself and that's when suddenly we you know we stop uh, we you know stop worrying what other people think so much as we get mm. older um and doing things you know what we want to do and you know well to hell you know obviously if it's not <laughs> other people but you know to hell what you think I mean definitely with with me you wouldn't have got me on this this podcast <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't have got me on you know now I've, I've had to you know go through all my fears of I, I wasn't a social media person now I'm on you know TikTok with you know loads of followers and doing reels all the time and to me I'd literally would be like 
oh, what would people think of me? Are they going to hate me? Are they there? And okay, there was a little bit of that when I first started them. You know, you all have nerves, but now I'm like, do you know what? I know that what I'm doing is from a place of wanting to help people. I know there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. And if there's going to be, you know, there's been a couple of been like, you know, oh, you're you're trying to scaremonger women or, you know, you're, you're trying to make everything about menopause. And it's like, no, I always stay in all my videos, always get symptoms checked to make sure it's not something else more sinister because there's lots of things that can mimic like thyroid, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, that can mimic symptoms. So always get everything ruled out first. But actually it's important to be aware of what symptoms could be things yeah. like a metallic taste in your mouth or a burning mouth or you know there's oh, itchy ears seems to be a really common one I get I put itchy ears on one of my TikToks and just the, the comments just went nuts going oh my god I've been seeing you know people about my ears for the last year and yeah, you know yeah. it was and so you know it's about being able to just go ah that explains what that is now um is why I, you know, why I, I do it and realise that I have to, you know, get out of my comfort zone because mm. I have to get my message and to to get it out there for them. And you're doing a brilliant job of it, I have to say. And so thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the show. I oh, I know that, yeah, it's, uh, it's a challenge for you. Um, this oh, has no. been a phenomenal <laughs> conversation. Uh, you know, I'm, I've learned so much. I'm, I'm sort of blown away a little by what's what's been discussed with me today. And I really hope listeners have also got the same for themselves too, and not to just put up with the current, you know, narrative around the perimenopause and menopause. It's to actually, if you can, get more assertive and um, and also reach out to help for help from you. Uh, where can people find you, Michelle? So I'm on Facebook. You can just yeah. look up my name, Michelle Rollinson. Um, yeah. Instagram, TikTok. Um, I know you're going to put sort of links in. I will do. Um, I, as I say, I've got um, a masterclass coming up that will help on the 18th, Monday, the 18th of September, uh, where I'll be giving lots of advice. Um, so. I've given you the link that people can yeah. sign up um, to get on my mailing list where they can sort of get more information about what I'm going to cover, dates, times, things like that. And to anybody that, that signs up to the mailing list, um, I'm giving free um, affirmation cards to help with their mindset um, as well. So wow, okay. you get lots of information on the masterclass. Um, but you'll also, as I say, as a as a thank you to to signing up, um, some affirmation card, 25 um, affirmation cards. So they've got that they can use um, every day. So, yeah. Excellent. Michelle, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I, you know, good luck with your uh, your mission to help as many people with the perimenopause and menopause as possible. It thank truly you. is incredible. Um, so anything, any, yeah, anything I can do to support you, do let me know. Thank you. Well, with the, I do do the one-to-ones and the workshops both yeah. online. And in person so it doesn't matter where you are in in the world you know we can either work like with zoom like we are or i can if you're 
sort of in England, then um, I do travel for the workshops and things. So, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, to everyone listening, thank you again for listening to the Mindset Change podcast. This is me, Paul Shepard, and Michelle Rawlinson. Uh, do check out her book as well. I will put the link in the show notes as well as all of her contact details. Don't suffer alone with this. Don't think that you've got to do this all by yourself. Do reach out, do get support, and take your life back. And I want to say to you all as well, have the most incredible day. Thank you so much for listening. Please do click Michelle's details in the show notes if you'd like any more information on the menopause. Remember to stay awake, stay aware, and I hope you have the most incredible day. Mm-hmm.